Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fan the Flames Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Reynolds, and today is a Malik Willis Evaluation Football Special Pod. I wanted to do a very short episode. It's going to be about 20-30 minutes long, evaluating Malik Willis, some of his best fits. So when the pro day comes, then you have something to listen to, What whoever you may be, whatever market you're coming from where you're an NFL fan, or whatever it may be. I know this for sure, um, that he's going to be a first-round quarterback. If he isn't, I would be completely shocked. Pro Day is coming up. It would be March 24th, I believe, or 22nd, rather. It's this Tuesday. It will be shown on NFL Network at 1 p.m., you are able to watch that network i'm sure there's going to be people putting out clips and such and i hopefully it gets onto youtube as well but i'm looking forward to seeing how he performs on tuesday i won't be able to watch it in um any type of live capacity just because of work however i hope that you are able to experience it if you have some free time during that time to be able to support malik and I know that there's going to be plenty of people watching around the nation. I know that Ian McCall recently tweeted that there's going to be plenty of media uh, at this pro day, which is huge. And I just wanted to talk about the media day. I mean, the media being at this pro day and how huge it is for this program. People are going to be able to see the facilities that Liberty has to offer. They're going to be able to see the mountain. And they're just going to be able to see how... Liberty football does things and they will be off for practice for spring practice. Obviously spring practice starts up again on Monday after spring break. So 120 NFL personnel in the national media to Liberty is what Ian McCall tweeted. And I'm going to run through the athletes that are going to have their pro day. Ralph Rusens, Skylar Thomas, Ben Alexander, Cedric Stone, DJ Stubbs, Elijah James, Story Jackson, Joshua Mack, Malik Willis, Tristan Schultz, Duran Lowe, Rashad Harding, Johnny Huntley, Jayad Sanders, Kevin Shaw, and Trevor Hobbs. Big day for all those guys. I wanted to first talk about Malik Willis's weaknesses. As someone who just started following uh, Liberty football like in depth the past like three four years, uh, it's coming from a little bit of unbiased, but there's a little bit of bias. Obviously, this is a Liberty football podcast first. However, before I came to Liberty, I was a fan, uh, probably around 2013, 2012, a little bit, maybe even before that. 2011, I think, was when I started looking into Liberty 2012 I started following the team a little bit not as in depth as I do now in these past three four years however I still looked into him and I mean obviously Malik Willis I think is the greatest football player of all time for Liberty there's a lot of arguments that could be said by other alums but it's it's got to be Malik uh, I mean it's as simple as that. And I, I wanted to go over his Malik, uh, Malik's uh, weaknesses first. 
because I watched, I've I've seen all of his games. I've seen multiple of them in person. I saw some of them in per- person last year because I was able to be in the stadium because I worked for the ticket office. So to be honest, I only caught the second half because we had to work till halftime. However, I went back and rewatched some games as well. This year being a season ticket holder, I would actually watch the game in person or live if it's away. And then I would go back and rewatch it again. It just was for something. And I was doing this before the podcast. So now I kind of have to uh, with the podcast to do that. And then I went and watched them again. And I'll list off the games that I watch. I, I watched a lot of his really bad games, too, um, when it comes to for Malik, it's bad. Uh, and just as a team, we just didn't put it all together. Uh, um, starting with 2020, I watched at NC State, at Virginia Tech, and then at Syracuse. And then this year I watched at Ole Miss, at Syracuse. And then the home games of Old Dominion, Louisiana, and Army, and then the bowl game. And I also watched Troy as well, so at Troy, which I actually didn't get to catch the Troy game this year. Um, I did not watch it. I had other plans, and it was the only game that I missed, but I went back and rewatched it that weekend, and then I just rewatched it again just this past week. So that's why it took so long for this podcast to come out. I was doing this. I'm dealing with other things. Um, life is good. Uh, I just wanted to get this out before the pro day, and I don't, I don't know if it's going to release Tuesday morning of the pro day or uh, Monday. So we'll, we'll see. It's going to be a pretty short podcast. Here we go. Starting off with his weaknesses. I wanted to start talking about how his deep ball needs to be reeled in sometimes. There's times where I watched the tape and I just don't think he was hitting the deep ball. And yeah, it's there's times where he has these incredible passes and we'll get to that very soon. But there's times where he just overshoots the receiver or he just doesn't doesn't really put it in the spot where only his receiver can catch it. And that's something as an NFL quarterback that you need to do. He needs to throw the ball away. It's as simple as that. That's his next weakness. There was a lot of sacks that he had taken this year because he did not throw the ball away. He, 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 the problem is he, he's so good at what he does when it comes to evading pressure that sometimes he thinks he can evade every single pressure in every single play, which is great. Escapability is going to be huge for his development at the next level, and it's going to be something that can be utilized for a team that's probably going to be in the bottom tier of the NFL. Regardless whether he sits a year or not, it's probably going to be on the bottom tier unless he gets drafted. Even I think even with the Steelers, everybody's saying like, oh, if he steps, it still could be to the point where right now the Steelers don't even have any receivers outside of Deontay Johnson or uh, Clay Claypool are the only two receivers on the Steelers right now. They haven't signed anybody. We'll see what they do in the draft. They love the draft receivers, so we'll see how that goes. So we'll see if we can they can even get a chance at them. So 
he's going to have to learn to throw the ball away and live the play in the next down. It's, it's, I would say out of all of his sacks this year, 10 of them were completely on him not wanting to throw the ball away. And another thing that he needs to do when he throws the ball away, like against ULM, and there was a couple of times, and I think there was one time in Old Dominion where he was throwing the ball away and he didn't throw the ball away. He just threw it to like green grass in the area of a receiver, almost like he wanted to get something going and try to throw him open. But that could be causes for if there's miscommunication, especially um, with him being on a new team. I get it. They're pros. It could really hurt his development. And, you know, they, they just those turn into interceptions in the NFL. That's what I'm trying to say. And it's just frustrating to watch at times like you just he just he just he just needs to get rid of the ball and get it out of bounds. Live the next play the next down. Like, live to play the next down and learn to just move on. Uh, he's someone who, from what I've heard from Hugh Freeze and the coaches and his teammates, he's someone that doesn't really get rattled, which is really good. That's a start. However, doesn't mean that you can just try to make every play happen. It's, there's no place for hero ball. As someone who has watched Josh Allen and watched – I mean, even Justin Herbert at times, and even Pat Mahomes, Pat Mahomes at times has tried to play hero ball and it hasn't worked. So it's not his place to be, you know, just trying to throw it into somewhere, you know, or trying to make a play happen where it's just the play's over. Just either throw the ball away or throw the ball away, like, yeah, if you're going to take a sack, hold on to the ball, which was a problem of his in the 2020 season, where there's a lot of times where he had to escape, and then the play's basically over, and then instead of him taking a sack, he fumbles the ball. That happened. And again, we're going through his weaknesses first because there's a lot of great strengths that I want to get to, but we need to go over the weaknesses. The next thing is his drops, his drops and his drop back. He needs to get better at his drop backs. And by that, he needs to get better with his footwork and his pocket presence. There's times where he doesn't step up into the pocket correctly, which causes easy sacks to happen because he doesn't step up in the pocket. I understand that Malik is only, you know, six foot six one. So it's a little bit more difficult to see over the lineman. However, Sometimes you got to be able to step up into that pocket and find throwing lanes so that way you can get them to the open receivers instead of taking the sacks. Next thing is, one of the things that I would like to see him do, and I know he's done it before, is some more back shoulders. There's at times where he he pushes the ball too much where it's hard to explain I would rather have to show it on a board or um, in person. When they stack, when when a when a cornerback stacks a wide receiver, by that he gets behind him in the sense of he's he's the last main back, so he he doesn't get beat. There's times where you can still make that pass happen if he's a if that corner stays above the wide receiver, so that way you can throw that back shoulder. That's the perfect time for the back shoulder. He's thrown some back shoulders. But there's some times where he tries to force it and push it too much on some of those routes on the outside. 
back to the uh, him deep ball. He can miss some open receivers. It, he's still a very accurate passer. Um, I think it's overblown. I think accuracy in college can be very uh, miscued. Look at Baker Mayfield, for example. His He had such a high percentage coming into the NFL, and a lot of his passes were being thrown by were be thrown uh, in plays that were like tunnel screens and halfback screens and uh, just wide receiver screens. And I think even they used Mark Andrews with some tight end screens. So those are very high efficient passes um, and they're very easy to complete. So the accuracy was inflated. There wasn't very many thrown uh, screens this year. There wasn't many play play calls that were screens this year and I from what I saw of even 2020 there wasn't either uh, which I hope changes uh, as a Liberty fan this is not to go too far off topics I'd like to see more screens because we have talented running backs for Liberty but back with Malik there's there's times where he can miss um, open receivers and by that I also mean not just by throwing but he just doesn't see it and I get the primary wide receiver and progressions and how that works. I don't know how Hugh Freeze does, but I know that sometimes in the spread they split the field. So if you're looking on your right, then you're only going to look on your right. And then there's times where he goes through his progressions, and it's fantastic. But this all starts with his pre-snap, his pre-snap adjustments and his pre-snap uh, progressions, like you could call them, like and his recognition of what coverage they are in, and that's something that he's. I mean, from what I'm hearing from the NFL Combine, that he's interviewing really well, and the NFL teams have been very impressed with his uh, knowledge of the game. However, you still got to be able to process that in the game, and there's times where he missed it, and again. I can't judge because I don't know the progression system. I could see where his eyes go to kind of read the progressions, but there's times where he get, does get stuck on a receiver too. So that leads to having the miss of an open receiver, which can hurt a, a quarterback in the NFL because you have seconds in the NFL if the first throw the ball away. You have other seconds of separation in wide receivers and cornerback in the NFL where you have to fit the ball in. Now, back to the sacks, they weren't all on the line. There's some times where there's some stunts, and at the end of the day, you know, if you look at the quality of the defensive lines compared to to, uh, 2020's lines, compared to 2021's lines, 2021 was such a better, uh, just was a lot more defensive lines that were talented and just stacked, and they, they threw some stunts at this offensive line in this film that I watched. And that is something that is very hard to do. I don't care how good, I don't care how experienced your line is. And I, sometimes I don't care how good your line is. Uh, there's at times where stunts are being thrown in and it's very difficult to, uh, especially at the college level. Now in the NFL, that's something that you can do pre-snap somewhat and you can kind of read the linebackers and understand blitzes and understand but sometimes they're just going to get beat which is on the line however the whole being on on the line thing in the sense of the sacks all of them were on the line that's just at the end of the day it's it's just something that i don't think people 
sometimes can grasp is the fact that you can't just rely so much on the line to do everything in the sense of preventing sacks and everything. It's There's other ways that sacks happen. And Malik's a phenomenal player, but I just didn't understand. Yeah, the, the offensive line definitely regressed. However, did they really regress or did we just play more quality opponents? And did Malik sometimes not un, uh, not read or uh, did he try to escape? Like I said, he sometimes isn't throwing the ball away. That's another weakness of his game and that's just something that needs to change. And I've already talked about pre-snaps and I've already talked about the throwaways. Uh, the throw at the end of the Ole Miss game, I don't even want to really talk about it. It was unnecessary. That's what I'm talking about. It. The hero ball. Trying to force something. He had time to, to spare and he could have definitely waited and lived to play the next down. It just, it just bothered me to see something like that. I get he's trying to do anything for his team, but it was just, it was just, it can't happen on the, in the next level. That has to change, and that's something that a lot of rookie quarterbacks go through. If they dominate in the college level, or if they already have those type of, I'm going to be the the hero type in them which is a good trait to have, but you have to reel it in. There's times for it. Height is undersized. I put in quotations. That's an obvious weakness, but we don't really even know if that's true anymore. Kyler Murray's having success. Russell Wilson's having success. Baker's having somewhat of success. It definitely doesn't make it easier for the quarterback seeing over the line. However, they can be schemed around. There's different things that can happen where you can make your quarterback a more efficient player despite his height. That's something that he can't control at the end of the day. Back to um, the weaknesses. There's some late times, like I said, with his lazy drops and footwork problems where he uses too much arm at times. Um, which he has a fantastic arm, and that's a perfect segue into his strengths. He has, He's going to be a top 10 arm talent in the NFL starting next year. That's just truth. However, I think what's being lost in all this is the fact that Matt Corral also has a great arm. Uh, this is a Malik Willis podcast. I get it. However, I, I don't get the people that were um, – being like, oh, what, what? Matt Corral has had a great arm since high school. I followed his uh, high school career. I followed his recruiting process. He started off at Florida, coming from California, and switched from the Gators to the Rebels. And I'll just tell you straight up that I thought it was absolutely uh, silly for some of these people out there. They're like, oh, he doesn't have the talent. Yes, he does. He may not have the speed like Malik and other things, but I, I just want to say that because that's going to lead for something later in this podcast. So he's incredibly quick and fast. He didn't run the 40. I don't know if he's running the 40 at pro day. However, I think he's got four or five speed, if not faster. Uh, he has at least four or five speed. I think from just seeing him, just for perspective, this is a controversial guy, but uh, Deshaun Watson ran a 4.65. So, and I think he's faster than Deshaun. 
and I just I think he's got around four or five speed, if not faster. So that's obvious with the tape. Then again, 40s also don't tell the whole story of the speed of the game. He's very smart, loves football. That's very obvious. He's a smart individual. He is very smart. That's very obvious. He loves football, has a passion for it, which there's a lot of NFL players that fail because they don't actually love football, whatever it may be. Jamarcus Russell, perfect example, didn't really love football. That was just as simple as it could be. He was in it for the stardom. I really do believe that. And I think he was just naturally talented, which was also very obvious that that's why he just got drafted that high, but he just didn't love football. He didn't love the game, the X's and O's, and you have to as a quarterback. He's a super high character, obviously. I'm speaking, I'm preaching to the choir, uh, to Liberty fans, but Malik is by far one of my all-time favorite humans when it comes to sports. I, I Every single time I listen to him speak, uh, press conferences in the season, in the off-season, and podcasts, or whatever it may be, or even hearing him speak at the Combine, this guy's just phenomenal. And Hugh Freeze talks highly of him. Uh, everybody's speaking so highly of him. The whole... Uh, him getting a uh, getting a video of him helping out a homeless person and people saying, "Oh, it just helps out his draft stock." No, that is Malik. That is Malik. Same. Th- I mean, he's honestly like the Tim Tebow type character type guy. He loves God, plays for God, loves people, loves to make people laugh, loves to just play football. He is. Tim Tebow in a lot of ways when it comes to him as a man. He didn't have the same high success as Tebow, obviously, in college. Um, winning two highs, I mean, winning a Heisman and uh, two national titles. I was going to say two Heisman. He, uh, there's times where I think that he could have won a second instead of Sam Bradford, but that's besides the point. And I just think that this man is going to change a locker room. He's going to be a leader of men at such a young age. And he is the type of guy that you want in your locker room. And it's as simple as that. Speaking of his escapability as a weakness, it's also his strength. And that's what I was hinting at. It's incredible what he does. There is a need for that in today's NFL. You look at Lamar Jackson. You look at Josh Allen. You look at Pat Mahomes, Justin Herbert. Even Aaron Rodgers in his younger ages, um, Big Ben when he was younger, when he was didn't have as many injuries, when he was in his prime, he was fantastic at getting and escaping. Eli Manning showed it's it's, but nowadays you know it's more important than some of the other things that like height and you know just little things that people just put such high ratings on in the past. Now, escapability's right up there. And escapability really matters in a quarterback. Being that when you can escape, though, you still got to be able to throw on the run. And the throw on the run is absolutely beautiful. He had a wonderful uh, throw to Kevin Shaw in the Virginia Tech sideline uh, type throw. Uh, it was it was a Virginia Tech game, and it was just 
on the ropes, and it was just fantastic. Man, it was it was by far, I think, his best highlight. He had some phenomenal ones this year, but I just still think that one separates because that's where a lot of media members go back and they're like, wow, that's when their jaw first drops with Malik. And this is what, plays like that is what made him as much hype as he is currently. He plays with heart every single game. He's a tough son of a gun. It's it's just wonderful to watch. I love watching a guy who loves football and truly loves to play the game. When he works the pocket and steps in the pocket, good things happen. Again, his pocket presence needs to continue the work, but when he does, man, it's 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 a thing of beauty. And speaking of things that are a thing of beautiful, poetry in motion, when his footwork, hips, shoulders are in sync with his arm, he looks elite. I'm talking elite. We're talking about top five quarterback possibility, potential in the NFL. He's 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 got that type of traits. He's got those it factors. The things that you can't teach that are just pure talent. And he's obviously a hard worker. That's another great thing about him. He plays with heart with every single game. That's another obvious. He's a very powerful runner. Speaking of being very quick and fast, he's also very powerful. He's very strong. He's got a lower lower center of grad, gravity when he when he gets down and runs over someone. He's got great balance. You've seen him be able to tiptoe the line and be able to it's it's incredible what I've seen him do. He's truly an incredible athlete, and he's got to work in some areas with the football uh, in the sense of being a quarterback. However, he's a fantastic quarterback, too. He's a true leader, face face of the franchise type guy. And I tell you what, there's a play in the Old Dominion game that's in the middle of the third thrown to, uh, who would have known, Kevin Shaw again that was dropped by him in the end zone, but it probably is his best football pass of his entire career. I am not kidding you when I say that. It is his best football pass of his entire college career. If if that was caught, that's the throw that everybody would have been talking about. But since it wasn't, I don't know if people are going to be talking about it. And there's also people that may not be looking towards that. He had Another great throw in the Old Dominion game as well, where it was a very nice touch pass on the run. But I, I think that was to Demario Douglas. But this Kevin Shaw pass was really thrown on a rope. It, it was, oh, man, it was so pretty. And this is no hate towards Kevin Shaw. But <laughs> if he would have caught that, I tell you what. But it was a laser. I'll give him a, I'll give him an excuse of that. Catching, some, catching the football sometimes from guys like Malik who have an arm like that is not very easy. Uh, last thing, the combine boosted him. Uh, that was huge. And I think that changed a lot of people's mind about him. It made me think and reevaluate some things. I knew all this, but I think I need a little bit of a refresher. <laughs> and people that are Liberty fans are going to be like, oh, Ben, you should know that he's a QB1, blah, blah, blah. I still don't have him as my QB1 in my current rankings. I have Matt Corral, then Kenny Pickett, then Malik. And people are going to be like, oh, why, why? We can get into that. I'll talk more about that as the draft comes. However, when it comes to overall and in the long run, I truly believe that Malik could be the best. But right now, 
I think the ceiling is the highest for Malik, but I think the floor for Corral and Pickett are also a little bit higher than Malik. They're a little bit further along in their development. Doesn't mean that the potential is not there, though. I still think the potential is the highest with Malik, and then it goes Matt Corral, then Kenny Pickett, then Desmond Ritter, then Sam Howell. I have it flipped around in the current where it's Matt Corral from Ole Miss, Kenny Pickett from Pitt, Malik Willis from Liberty, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, and then number five, Sam Howell from UNC. And then I also like Carson Strong, which I've heard some bad things about him interviewing, Bailey Zapp, Zappy um, from Western Kentucky, and then Jack Cohen from Notre Dame, Skyler Thomas, or Thompson rather, from Kansas State, and E.J. Perry is my dark horse to be a very solid quarterback in the NFL, E.J. Perry from Brown. So those are my different rankings when it comes to quarterbacks. I do think that Malik is going to be the best in the overall scheme of everything. I think he has the highest ceiling of all the quarterbacks in this year's draft, and it's not even close. I think Corral's the closest, and then Pickett, then Ritter, then Howell. But I do, and I think Carson Strong, if he gets his if he gets his mind right and grows up, I think he's got a lot of tools to be great too from Nevada. However. I do think that Corral is is the most quarterback, like he's the quarterback that's most ready. Uh, people will say Pickett. I do like Pickett a lot too. I don't think Corral's going to be drafted um, very highly. I think there's still a chance he could, but I just don't think he's going to because of the injury. I think that hurt him, but I applaud him playing in the bowl game. I think it was against Baylor too. So it's it's kind of a lose-lose situation there, <laughs> you know. He gets hurt, but they also, you know, could have used him in the game. And, uh, yeah, anyways, so it, it's, it's tough. But I know that he doesn't regret it either. So, and Malik played. Kenny Pickin did it. Desmond Ritter, of course, did. I don't remember if – did how – I don't even think UNC – did UNC play in a bowl game? I think they did. But anyways, and Zappi balled out in his bowl game. I don't remember what strong Skyler Thompson or Cohen. Or, I think Cohen had a pretty good bowl game as well. I think they played in the Fiesta Bowl or one of those bowls. And then Perry, you know, he's an FCS guy for Brown. He's uh, uh, He's got a lot of potential. But I want to wrap this up with a comp. I don't like comps. I don't like grades. I don't like any of that stuff when it comes to team grades. I don't like team draft grades. I like grading players a little bit. I'm not going to give Malik a grade. I just went through the strengths and weaknesses of what I watch and what I like out of him. Uh, I Again, he's. I think he's going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL in a couple of years. I don't think he's ready yet. But I do think he's got the possibility to turn around a franchise. So comps, I don't like comps, but I'm going to compare them to Russell Wilson. I think they're very similar in who they are. I think I think Malik actually might be um, a little bit more uh, vocal with his faith than even Russell Wilson is, or was even. And I think they're very similar in stature. I, uh, Malik's a lot bigger. I, I, I really do think he's a lot more muscular than Russell Wilson coming out. And I think he's a lot faster than Russell Wilson. 
I think Russell Wilson was more pro ready at the, at this point, and his his biggest drawback was his height. Malik has a higher ceiling than I think Russell Wilson did coming out. That doesn't mean that he's going to be Russell Wilson. That doesn't mean that Russell Wilson isn't a great or elite quarterback, because he is. However, looking into the draft, I think Malik has a higher ceiling than what Russell Wilson was expected to have as his ceiling and his potential. So that being said, my top five fits, number five, the Washington Commanders. And then I'm going to give you some honorable mentions as well. Washington Commanders, it's a great situation with Carson Wentz. I still don't know if they would draft a quarterback and now at this point with Carson Wentz. And the problem is I don't know if Carson Wentz is going to be is going to be the guy. I don't know if Carson Wentz is going to be the guy who's you know, there for just one year. I think he's going to be a multiple starter, a multi-year. I think he's going to be a multiple-year starter. I think he's going to have at least a couple, a couple of seasons under center for the commanders as long as he stays healthy. So I don't know if it's going to be the correct fit, but I do like him going to the commanders for many reasons. Number four, the Carolina Panthers. I don't know what they're doing with their quarterback situation. I know that Sam Darnold is getting uh, a lot of slack right now, and he didn't play very well. Uh, I don't think he's going to uh, be the starting quarterback come day one, week one. So they're sitting there at six. I could really see the Panthers scoop him up. I would really like him to go to the Panthers. That's actually my favorite spot when it comes to that's where I want to see him go. That doesn't mean that it's necessarily his best fit. Because I think there's some drawbacks to the Panthers. I think being in the NFC South with Brady isn't very helpful. Um, but I do like him more in the NFC than the AFC. And the AFC is loaded with quarterbacks. They just added Deshaun Watson. I don't, And I know that Deshaun Watson was already playing for an AFC team. But there was some speculation that he could have went to the Panthers or the Falcons. Speaking of the Falcons, they're my number three team. I think Matt Ryan's got a good two years left, and I think having a rookie quarterback like Malik with the ceiling like he has, I know they have Felipe Franks from Florida already on their roster. However, getting a guy like Malik would be huge because I don't know how much longer Matt Ryan is going to be able to play. And I would love to see him go home, play for his hometown team in Atlanta, and there's some weapons there. Ridley's going to be out for this year, which I think is absolutely foolish that he's going to be out for this year. It's such a dumb thing. I don't know if it's, I don't know the, all the logistics of it. I don't know how, what he was betting on, whatever. But that's a different story. However, I do think Atlanta would be a great spot for him. They're probably my number two favorite spot, probably the Panthers and the Falcons. Because, again, even though Brady's there, I don't know. We don't know when how, how much longer Brady's going to play. I don't like the fact that he came out of retirement. I thought it was kind of silly. I kind of actually lost a little bit of respect for him. You can hate me for that all you want. Number two is Detroit Lions. I'd love to see him try, turn the Lions around. I know that people don't like this fit because they seem to ruin quarterbacks and ruin players and blah, 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 blah. But I do like him for Detroit, and I think that he could make a difference. And I, and if he turns around Detroit Lions, that's one of the greatest accomplishments that any 
player could have. He's going to be looked at as Josh Allen if he does that. I think he could still look at be looked at as Josh Allen if he in any other place. But you think about the Lions. The Lions have really been successful, and just like how the Bills didn't for very long, and then Josh Allen comes along, turns that t- help team turn that team around. Malik, if he could do the same for Detroit, he could be. He, you're talking about a Hall of Fame type guy, and. To be honest, I think there's more to him than Matthew Stafford. I'm whispering this because people are going to hate me for that too. But I think that there's more to him and there's a higher ceiling for him than Matthew Stafford. And the reason why I say that is because he's a better athlete than Matthew Stafford. That's, again, no hate towards the guy because I'm happy that he won a Super Bowl this year. And I think he deserved it. But he's a better athlete. Is he going to be as good of a quarterback? Time will tell. Number one, we talked about the comp. We talked about Russell Wilson, Seattle Seahawks. I love this spot when it comes to fit. They're probably my third favorite spot. I love this spot when it comes to the fit for Malik. I It's probably my third favorite spot. And I just really like the Seahawks for him I think he would look great in a Seahawks uniform and I do think that he would be excellent for the Seahawks when it comes to they already have DK Metcalf he can sit behind Drew Locke for a year he can have uh, Noah Fant and other weapons and their defense is already getting uh, switched around and moved around so I really could see him with the Seahawks and then there's three other teams. Colts, I think, are going to get Baker Mayfield. So they're one of the honorable mentions. Again, I don't want to see them in the AFC. That's why they're not top five. Steelers, again, they're in the AFC. Don't want to see them on the Steelers for many reasons. Um, there's some bias in that, but I also don't think the Steelers should reach to go up for him. I think they don't have the, the they have too many holes on their offense to be reaching and trading up <laughs> I just don't think that right now they they're down to like two receivers and a tight end and yeah they have Najee Harris and they're still working with their offensive line I like what the Steelers have done this offseason especially signing Trubisky but I just don't think this would be the best year for the Steelers to draft if they wanted the draft they should have drafted in the past two years when they already had Big Ben I think it would be foolish for them to trade up and sacrifice capital and I also wouldn't like Malik in the AFC again with the Colts because I think the AFC is so loaded at quarterback, it's going to be a pain in the butt to the path. I'm not saying that Malik can't do it, but the I just want to see some parity too. As an NFL fan, as a football fan, I want to see Malik go to an NFC team so that way there's more young quarterbacks in the NFC. Right now you look at Justin Fields in Chicago. We don't know how good he's going to be. Trey Lance in San Francisco. We'll see if San Francisco moves on from Jimmy G. And then Kyler Murray. Yeah, he had a great year this year and a pretty solid year last year. However, there's some issues with them him being in the organization. They don't know how long he's going to be there. They don't know. Who knows? He might even give up and go on baseball. Not going to say that he's going to. Nothing against Kyler. I do like Kyler, but I just don't know if he's going to be in the Cardinals organization for much longer. So who else is there? Can you name another young quarterback in the NFC? Why not Malik? Why not Malik? Because I, I just I, I don't I don't, it just doesn't make any sense. 
Uh, yeah, you got Rodgers and Brady, cool, and Matthew Stafford, cool. But they're all above 33 years old. The NFC is going to be wide open, so why not? It would be so good for uh, get another young quarterback, see some parity, see Malik go to the Super Bowl. I, I mean, I would just love to see him on the Panthers or the Falcons. Those are my one, two, and then three. Seahawks, number four is the Lions when it comes to my favorite. When it comes to fit, it's a little bit different because the Lions, I think the Lions are very young, and I think they have some weapons, and they can, he can sit behind Jared Goff for a year. Falcons, again, sit behind Ryan. I just don't know if the weapons, the young weapons are there. Calvin Ridley's there, but they don't really have anybody else besides Ridley. And then the Panthers. I have them at four just because I'm unsure with McCaffrey. I'm unsure with some other weapons on there. I like DJ Moore, but I don't really know if he's the answer. Robbie Anderson, he's not a number one or number two in my opinion. He had one excellent year with the Jets. but And then the last one is another honorable mention. It's the Saints. Don't know what the Saints are doing. They got Hill, and then they got Winston. I think they're going to continue with Winston for another year. That's not a terrible spot. I just don't know. Again, who do they have for weapons? Is Thomas going to stay there? We don't know. So that's my top five and my honorable mentions. I really want to see Malik get into an NFC team. I think it would be so good for the NFL to have a great young quarterback to be a star in one of these teams. And unfortunately... It's just the AFC is loaded. You talk about Joe Burrow with the Bengals. You talk about Lamar Jackson with the Ravens. You talk about Josh Allen with the Bills. How about Pat Mahomes, who's only 26, going to be 26 this year, or 27, one of the two. He's with the Chiefs. And then Herbert with the Chargers. There's right there five. And there's others. Trevor Lawrence still has a chance with Jacksonville. They've, I mean, I don't agree with all their moves. I think some they've overpaid for a guy like Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, but they still put weapons around him, so we don't know. And Travis Etienne's coming back from injury. He hasn't played a snap in the NFL. So, you know, the AFC is loaded. I'd love to see Malik in the AFC. I mean, excuse me, NFC. That's contradicting myself, in the NFC. That's as simple as that. Thank you for listening. Go Flames. I uh, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, any type, I'm sure this will get some slack with some things or might get some praise. I don't know. This These are my honest opinions. And if you're not a Liberty fan and you're looking for Malik Willis content, I'm not interviewing him. This is just from a Liberty fan six perspective. He, you're getting a guy who is ultra talented, loves the lead, can be your face of the franchise, has a great arm, super fast, great escapability. He's someone who's going to truly be loved by your city and your fan base, and he's going to be able to embrace your city. Malik Willis, he's my number three quarterback when it comes to his floor, but his ceiling is number one. And if he plays by his ceiling, you are getting a steal in Malik as a person and a football player. Thank you for listening. I can't wait to see Malik thrive, and we're going to continue. We're going to continue to talk about him as the season goes on. Excited for that pro day. Have a great rest of your day. If you're listening to this, please subscribe. Check me out on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. FTF Football Pod is the handle. Fan the flames. 
Phantom, Go Flames, Rise With Us. Thank you again for listening. Goodbye.